0: for sharing and so is a great story welcome to the kiwi foodcast the show where we sit down with chefs food businesses food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve i'm your host persin patel and this show is brought to you by podcasts new zealand let's dig in everyone welcome again to the kiwi foodcast everyone Today on the show, we have Chef Jamie Johnston, who is the head chef at Everybody Eats. Everybody Eats is a restaurant like no other. They deliver restaurant-quality three-course meals that are prepared by volunteers using food that would have otherwise gone to waste. And the best part is that if you eat there, you can pay whatever you feel the food is worth. Today, we talk to Jamie about how he got started in the world of food and about the very real food wastage problem that every restaurant has to deal with. We also talk about what it takes to run a kitchen that's staffed with volunteers and the challenges involved with a restaurant where the menu changes daily. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi, Jamie, how are you?
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good. It's so good to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you for coming.
1: Oh, no, thanks for inviting me. Yeah.
0: Cool. So let's um, dig right in. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? Has um, food always been a feature for you?
1: Oh, it's... Um yeah, for my parents, I think food has always been like a fuel because they're always quite busy people. They both owned a small business and also were working full time. Uh, and for me, uh, at that time in my life, like food was more, food was definitely more fuel than than anything. I still, I still to this day, eat really, really fast. I feel like I'm okay. eating as if it's like my last meal. <laughs> um, so I was adopted into to that family. So um, they're not huge gourmands you know mm. they don't cook out anything flesh uh, there's always a jacket potato or a baked potato somewhere nice um, but yeah we had um, no I would just say a normal normal sort of food that you sort of eat on the fly on the run but you know they had full-time jobs and they were still managing to actually feed us something you know or my older brothers would be learning how to cook as well
0: okay all right so what made you want to become a chef
1: uh well originally it was never ever a thing that i thought about i uh i wanted to be a puppeteer for jim henson i wanted to be a uh, uh an artist for disney oh, nice. and uh my art teacher at school told me i wasn't very good so uh <laughs> so I was like, well, my art okay. teacher
0: told me too uh, that yeah, i wasn't well, very good though i yeah. am not very good so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. might I have something to do i don't but. know
1: maybe <laughs> I, I thought i was good um but then yeah uh my mum and dad owned a video store, and they both worked for different shoe firms as managers and area managers. And at the time, my o- older brothers were probably uh, around 16 and I think 18, and they uh, they were working for my dad part-time, and they were just like, don't do it, don't work, don't <laughs> do it. Because um, as a kid, I used to go into the shoe shopping and the video store and put all the stickers on, and you know that was fun, yeah. but uh, obviously as a paid job, working for your parents wouldn't be too fun. And I'm always been quite a creative mind, uh, and then I saw this culinary school, which is in the in the city, you know, outside of our township. So it's Canterbury, uh, which has a cathedral, and it was quite, you know, like just looked amazing to me. So I was like, oh yeah, get out of uh, get out of Ashford, Kent, you know, do something a little bit different. Um, and then there was they were trying to get people back back then back into trade. So culinary arts, well, it wasn't even culinary arts, and it was just called like. Uh, general cooking, pretty much, mm, yeah. And then they had, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, mechanics and you know, electricians all in this same kind of course and hair and beauty. So they're trying to get people into those trades again. So, because it was a free course, and I was like, well, I don't had kind of like little part time jobs selling ice cream and stuff like that, but not enough money to pay for like all of that. So I was like, well, I'll go to this free course, then at least I have a trade and then I can kind of figure out where I'm going, right? Um, and that's kind of where it started. I didn't enjoy it. Mm. at all like for <laughs> probably like a good five years because I was just like oh you know like I'd done my training gone into restaurants washed dishes and yeah. made made salads and stuff
0: and so much of the early days in a kitchen is just that right yeah. like it's just all the really bad work yeah. I mean I guess it in puts in like discipline and helps you learn all of that kind of stuff but um, it can be very kind of demotivating after yeah. after having gone to culinary school I well, guess I think,
1: I think the thing you think is that why do I need to learn how to like peel so many carrots and cut these up and then when you looking looking till today now uh, when I've got volunteers of all different age groups and stuff like that um, you watch knife skills and stuff like that and you're like oh my god and I'm like I understand why now and I usually find myself saying silly little things like well you know I'm probably you know I've, I've only been peeling carrots for like 20 years <laughs> uh, and cutting them for 20 years well kind of 20 years um, professionally But um, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm actually pretty good at peeling a carrot and I didn't really realize that a lot of people don't know how to peel a carrot. And I was like, wow, (laughs) all right, okay, so that explains the monotony of doing jobs like turning potatoes and stuff like that is training you to yeah. to be focused, I guess.
0: That's true because I have a funny story about that. So when I was in India, I actually did like a food pop-up at a five-star hotel and Indian food uses a lot of onions, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I went to the chefs and I was like, look, um, you know, I'm only here going to be here half the time and you need me to, you know, come up with nine or ten dishes for service. No, no pressure. So um, I was like, I need a food processor. And obviously, so this was very... Um, <laughs> me not knowing how professional uh, yeah. kitchens work, and they're like, Oh, well, how many onions do you need cut? And I was like, No, look, it's going to be a lot because it's like nine different. And they're like, No, just give it to us. And they were like, And it was like all done in like 15 minutes. And I was just like, Oh, that like the energy it would have taken to get the food processor out and do all of it. And I was just amazed at how fast they were. Yeah. So, yeah, I
1: think way back when we were kind of younger, we used to do a little onion chopping competitions and things oh, like is that. Oh, that just a thing?
0: <laughs> oh, you know,
1: you just, you, well, when you're younger with the the guys in the ranks, you're all trying to be the best. So you're kind of all like like chopping onions, trying to see who's got the thinnest and the quickest, you know. Mm, interesting.
0: <laughs> so when did you first move to New Zealand?
1: Um, it would have been about 11, 12 years ago now. So um, been here a while.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and yeah, it, it's been, it's been like had its ups and downs and, you know, moving to a new country is quite different. You have to... Than you know the new culture of where you're at, yeah, and try and find your place in a new country, um but yeah, it's been really good to me, and you know, New Zealand's been you know really good, okay I guess yeah, so
0: so how did you find there was a huge difference in the kitchens here as compared to the kitchens back home, or was yeah, it yeah,
1: yeah, well, I mean, I guess like for me, when I was training at the country school and then working in kitchens, like I think like some of the kitchens that I went to um you know they all wanted to be you know the next like marco pierre whitefields so they were kind of you know quite aggressive quite you know quite full-on and um yeah you kind of get into that and you think that that's the mentality and that's how it's meant to be and then it's only when you come over to different kitchens with different people and you know everyone's kitchen culture is different and everyone's culture and the way in which they want to run their kitchen is totally different and yeah. it was only m- moving around and travelling and working with other chefs that realised you didn't actually have to work in a workplace where you felt bullied or put down Yeah, because there are some chefs that want to nurture you and bring you up and they genuinely care Yeah but it's your choice really to work in these kitchens but back then there wasn't that voice where you could kind of go oh I, I actually want to work in a nice kitchen with nice people because you don't want people thinking "Or oh, you're weak and you're not very good
0: yeah, yeah. exactly and I think back then was it when hell's kitchen was at its peak right oh, yeah, so maybe they yeah. were like normalizing that
1: yeah, that's yeah. how
0: kitchens are but yeah, like I mean, you said they don't have to be no, that right don't. you can build a more supportive yeah. culture i yeah. mean I, it is high pressure yeah but um it doesn't all need <laughs> to be <mean> and. <laughs> no
1: it doesn't and um i mean th- what i learned over here was everyone's a bit more laid back and mm. i mean i've always probably been a little bit highly strung, or, uh, <laughs> just from you know being in the uk and And just just the way in which I I was sort of, say, raised in kitchens. Um, But there's always a part of me where I I, I tend to sit back sometimes and I think of, like, past things I've said in kitchens and stuff like that. And I do genuinely get upset and I'm like, I can't believe that's how I was trained and kind of how I used to talk to people. And then I I, I feel like nowadays um, it's all a learning curve, you know. like And it's you know, nurture and nature and all these different things yep. change you and mould you in different ways. And and yeah, I think you want to have a successful kitchen, mainly. Yep. But you can only have a successful kitchen if people want to be around you. Yeah, And I think you have to change your mindset and your attitude, constantly pushing forward and understanding, you know, um, you're going to have people from different backgrounds, uh, maybe emotionally or even mentally. You know, some people may have mental health issues. Um, And then there's, you know, ethnics as well. You know, there's people from different ethnicities in the kitchen and you want to support everyone and all work together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So... You went then from this kind of really high pressure fine dining restaurants to having your own food truck. Yeah. Where yeah. you were the boss and um co-boss. I was a co-boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um how was that transition from, um, you know, kind of going from a very big kitchen where you have all the equipment and the ingredients and that you want to having your own kitchen?
1: Yeah, well like well when when we had Judge Bell we never really had our own personal kitchen until we sort of got the um, when we got the trailer mm. near near the end um, so that was kind of technically our first real kitchen but we were we were always sort of like sharing kitchens with people uh, and sort of renting kitchens um, you know commercial kitchens mm. and commercial spaces or doing pop-ups in people's restaurant or cafe when right. they're closed mm. so um, it was it it made me realize one thing that I think when we first started, We had this tiny little gazebo that we bought for like 300 bucks, and uh, it was pretty flimsy, well, it's pretty sturdy, but the walls are really flimsy, so the wind comes in, and we were using like little gas, um, little gas binners that you can get at Bunnings to start, and we were putting a wok on there, and oh, it looked terribly unsafe, and it looked, it was pretty scary, and wind's blowing it out, and we're trying to get food out, and oh my god, we've got like a little five litre fryer, because we didn't want to invest so much money straight away into it. and. I learned how to cook the same on minimal equipment than I did working in hotels past and restaurants and, you know, using a thermomix or something like that. So, so now like using this basic as equipment and still producing food, you know, that we were really proud of and putting out. I was really impressed looking back now. Um, I used to look at the the initial setup of our thing and I was like, oh my God, it looks so ghastly, but we actually managed to provide and put out some good food, but, um, Stress levels are always going to be the same. Yeah. Anxiety before big events are going to be the same, um, but you know there were two of us in that business, and um, uh, you know Deb would take over the money, uh, the money and the, the financial side, and book all the events. And she even took on well, she wore many hats and took on all the artwork and everything, basically writing the menus constantly. And I d- dealt with the food, and then she also at one. We, we basically transitioned into me doing all the savoury part and all the garnishes and packing the van and stuff like that. And then Deb was the bow girl, you know, the bun hun. So she was taking that part, I was taking that part. So we had our own little responsibilities and stuff like that. But geez, it was hard work, eh? It yeah. was really, really hard work.
0: So nothing like the movie then, which... Oh, I just, wish she like, was, it was that the glamorous. <laughs> the I truck. wish <laughs> it was that glamorous, yeah.
1: I mean, some days it's soul destroying because you turn up at this event and even if you've Worked hard to build a good reputation name of people. Sometimes you're not the flavour of the month at this event, so everyone could be going to this other food truck that just does hot dogs, or yeah. just does like a really mean fried chicken, or ch- just even chips. And uh, you sit there, and you're like, oh, I've spent so many hours making this, and like we're we're really quiet. Yeah. And I mean. I, I mean it's gonna be the same in a restaurant, but I never owned a restaurant before or co owned anything before. So for me, like emotionally it was a good roller coaster. Well, it wasn't a good roller coaster all the time, but it's kinda hard roller coaster to go, Oh my god, like it's not because of us that we're not busy, you know, you have to put that in your head yeah. and then Oh yeah, and then
0: And I think when you don't have, like, a permanent restaurant or a space, the other challenge is that what do you do with the food if it doesn't sell, right? Like, I remember when I started out, (laughs) I did similar things. I just used to be at festivals. This was back in India. And um, it was great, but I'd always, you know, sometimes… You don't want to sell out because that's mm. the worst thing. You've paid so much rent. You don't want to sell out at the food festival, Yeah. yeah. Um, or at least yeah. sell out too soon. You that's want to it. be like selling out just you want as to it's sell like out, but right
1: at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but it's such a challenge, kind of figuring that out, taking into account what the crowd's gonna want, <laughs> um, all of that, and then sometimes, yeah, like to be left with so much food is kind oh. of soul destroying, especially if you're like me and you believe in this kind of, you know, like I don't want to like waste yeah. this food um but it's gonna go bad and Mm. whom do i feed it to at one o'clock in the night yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and you're like you can't just rock up with a food truck right outside the mission and like here, guys yeah it's like (laughs) it feels like you're almost dumping it but at the same time you want it to go to 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 the intent is to go to someone right because i think for me like food is like a, a big thing like um food is definitely a love thing for me, like a Mm. comfort thing for me. Like I eat when I'm sad, I eat when I'm happy, and I eat for comfort Same for me as well. um, And when I'm stressed, you know, I eat certain things when I'm stressed that makes me just a little bit happier. So for me, like when you see the food going in the bin that you've toiled over, especially like, I mean, if you bought everything out of a pack, you wouldn't care as much, I I, I feel. I I don't know if I'm right or wrong there, but for us, because we toiled away making all these buns and the food and everything um it was soul destroying just chucking that in the bin if we had to but you know you know what what can you do in a situation where cuz you're not guaranteed to make money at an event uh yeah. you know mm. so it's a risk you take
0: yeah <laughs> so you went from doing these events and having your food truck and somehow you also were volunteering at the same time at everybody yeah, eats yeah so like uh <laughs> so just cooking doing all that cooking wasn't enough you wanted to cook some more <laughs> I don't
1: know like there was just um yeah, like a couple of mates of mine, like they, uh, they had a restaurant called Peasant, and um, I love this restaurant. I love those boys, um, John and his brother. Um, they, they had this beautiful restaurant, um, and like through food and in Instagram, you know, which yeah. is I think it's been great. It's brought people together with food. Uh, they message me and like, hey, you should come down um, and do do this and they were i remember just before we did a pop-up they literally turned up half hour before our service to give us a hand because they knew it was just uh me and deb and a few other friends Mm. that were just helping out they came in helped me out for prep and then went and opened their own restaurant and then became good friends through that so um they mentioned like um eat my lunch back in the day and they're like i should come and volunteer and help out and i was like wow this sounds amazing and and that really opened my eyes to um food poverty in new zealand and Although at the sort of this period, I don't always openly—I didn't always openly talk about my upbringing of being a kid that went from foster homes into an adoptive family, which I was very lucky um, to do to, so. But seeing a kid um, like with no shoes on in just a singlet and like a pair of shorts in winter time in uh, in a school that's thrilled to have a cheese sandwich and hasn't had sliced cheese before that broke my heart and it really like it took me back to a place when i was younger you know with a black sack and some clothes in it going from foster home to foster home and then finally getting adopted like i can understand now looking back that when i eat so fast there's still this thing in my mind that 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 may be the last meal when it's obviously not hasn't been for 36 mm. years or 38 years i don't know how, you know 37 years yeah. um but that really hit me and shook me and Knowing that with our food truck, we were really lucky that we we were given a little platform and a little profile, and we wanted to be a business that not only did we try and be as sustainable as possible, um, we wanted to do some bits where we gave back. So one of those things was you know us going to to um, I eat my lunch and everybody eats and doing that because I, I think I got addicted to it because I was just like wow, like I didn't do it just for the good feel good factor i i kind of felt like it was a almost like me ending a cycle yeah all this time i've been trying to cook for accolades and cook for just getting recognition and being known for this guy that does that and 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 this and that that kind of blinded me a lot in my past and was actually good to get me through these years of trying to get through adoption and all this kind of stuff um so now then my eyes were open again as i actually i had nothing to be ashamed of for being adopted and all this kind of stuff and i was like well if i can go from my start off in life to what i do now and if i'm able to use what little skills i have which are cooking that's that's all my life that's all i can do really realistically so if i can help with my skills of food or just knowing how to plate up humongous amounts of food that tastes a bit yummy Mm. that's going to make someone happy and motivate them to be able to maybe change their life or turn their life around that for me is just all that matters so it wasn't a hard decision to to want to do it and for all our volunteers that come through through all of these different um, enterprises and charities people are doing on their own time after work when they're obviously exhausted from working their day job and they want to do it because that's their way of not for some people it may be feeling good that they've done good for some people um they they want to be a silent hero and they just want to help change the world or change someone's life in their own backyard
0: yeah. So, let's take a step back. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what Everybody Eats is and what the concept's all about?
1: Yeah. Um so um we've been around for about 2 and a 2 and a bit years now. Um Nick Looseley is our founder. Um and he um started it as a pop-up at Gemisey Street on uh, K Road in mm. St Kevin's Arcade. Um so every Monday when they were closed, Nick would, you know, hold these um, pay-as-you-fill, everybody's pop-ups to see if the model would kind of work. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it went off. Um, it went off, obviously. Um, and I was always sort of like, in the behind-the-scenes occasionally, i get a call from Nick and it's like, oh, hey, can you come in and just like help us out a bit? And I was like, look, I am free. I'm just on K-Road doing some prep. If I finish up, I could come over. Um, so I would. Um, and then going into the restaurant now um we've got a full open a fully opened pay as you feel restaurant which is open five nights a week in onihonga um and that it's it's just amazing like you come into a restaurant everybody from if you're living on the street to being a ceo of a company you can come in you can sit down you all get a three-course meal you get to come in and you know have a have drink service someone's greeting you like a maitre d would uh and a host would um you get a three-course meal that changes daily we we try our best to hit every dietary we can you know some vegans some gluten freeze and uh and and pescatarians if we can if we get some fish through but yeah we, we we get all this food donated and we obviously go out and try and find more people to help donate food to us uh, and then it's my job, essentially, to come up with a three-course menu wow. uh, and, and put it out there that can kind of <laughs> go across the board and feed, you know, different people who are willing to either pay as they feel, pay what they can, um, and even, a you know, a gold coin donation. And some people don't even come in and they just, they just donate. So, you know, three or four other people can have a meal.
0: Oh, that's that's really amazing, yeah. and to have that kind of concept in a you know city where otherwise you know food can be really expensive, eating oh, yeah. out eating out can be really expensive. <laughs> um, it's amazing that someone can come in and still have that experience, no matter yeah. where they are at in life. And it's
1: actually a really dignified experience for yeah. these people because everyone everyone has the same treatment. So one minute this person will be feeling cold and and alone or yeah. maybe feeling socially isolated come in and they're you know you can see some people are really sheepish and they feel quite anxiety riddled and you can see it in their faces you sit them down and um, Amanda Butland our, um, our front of house manager oh my god she's amazing she does this thing where she can put different groups of people together and it works and everyone's just bubbly and laughing and sometimes it takes a little bit longer but she she does such an amazing job of creating the vibe on the floor that makes my job very easy to just follow the flow into the kitchen and we have quite a, a jokey sense of humour we're serious when we need to be and we we do run it like a restaurant yeah um but the main goal is that everyone everyone eats essentially yeah. so yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so you said that you guys get all the food donated to yeah. you so can you maybe run me through your typical day like where do you get the food from um. You know, yeah. and how how do you go about getting from start of the day <laughs> till service?
1: Right. So another job that Amanda does, and she's you know wears another hat. Uh, on a Monday and a Wednesday, she'll go out to um, Kiwi Harvest. She'll go out to City Produce, um, go to New World, um, uh, and she'll go and do the pickups mm. of um, meat, veggies, all sorts, um, and then she'll come back, and then we'll get our team of volunteers to do what we call like a little food sorting. So we'll go through all the produce um, and we'll kind of grade it, see see what needs to be used today because I may have a pre, uh, sort of a pre kind of like ad hoc menu in my mind of possibly what I might go for. And mm-hmm. it can literally change in a second with a click <laughs> of the fingers, and all the volunteers are like, "Oh my god!" So we went from minestrone to a cream of cauliflower. Is right, guys, cauliflowers are looking real sad. Let's let's zhuzh them up. They need to go out today. We're gonna change it up. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, don't worry, I've got you on this. I'll, I'll throw this through. So that's one part of it. But and then there's, these
0: charities. Oh, sorry to interrupt. You. No, no, yeah. um, uh, They are just so this is fresh food that's donated, yeah. or um, so it's all yeah. of, all of it is just. Um,
1: yeah. So. Um, it could be a mixture of like surplus. Right. It could be, say, like a um, like a food delivery company. Um, they may have excess herbs or spices or right. seeds or something, or even, say, bok choy or something. And mm. um, it could come from the supplier themselves. It could come from, for instance, like, um, it could come from like Hakanoa ginger beer. You know, they've they've had an order that was cancelled. So, you know, they've got a live product that, mm. you know, they need to use up. And obviously we're there to sort of... We, we can we can take that on and then we can offer ginger beer to our customers so yeah um yeah so there's that part and then i'm inducting volunteers that are new mm. um basically creating a cool chill vibe in the uh teaching some people how to cut an onion teaching people how to do certain things um orchestrating the menu making sure it runs properly keeping everything on time uh helping them do setups then I say goodbye to the first lot and then I get another round of volunteers in for the evening for service, which is a little bit more of a sort of a serious Jamie because we, we are running a service and there's you know, hot things and there's a hot side, right. the ovens are on, people are turning around with hot pans and I've got to orchestrate that from upstairs and downstairs where we have a soup se- section downstairs, you have the dessert and the, the main upstairs um, and yeah, whoa, what a wild ride. Like It's a pretty busy day generally from day to day. Um, there will be donations that just sometimes turn up um, which are amazing, but yeah, I'm constantly running around like a loony. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but we've we've, we've got the r- restaurant running amazingly. But it's it's me and Amanda mainly that run it every day, and like wow. yeah, we. Uh,
0: How do you like design the menu every day? Like this to oh, me feels okay. like something you'd see in like a kitchen reality TV show, it right? Feels like-, like Ready Steady
1: Cook. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen that show, but it feels like Ready Steady Cook. It was an English TV show where uh, each uh, chef gets a bag of goodies and he yeah. gets a a normal human from the normal <laughs> world to, to cook with him and he will uh, or her and um, they'll have to come up with a dish from a capsicum and this and this and this and that's kind of what it feels like every day is like playtime when it comes to menu creation because I feel like there's a, a very strange side to me where my brain ticks over way too fast yeah and uh, it keeps me keeps me sort of quite in my mind, quite quiet when I have to do this. Thursdays are hard because it's the end of the week for me. Yeah. Uh, and I, my brain turns to jelly and I'm like, right, volunteers, <laughs> I got bananas again. What are we doing? We've done banana cake, we've done banana bread, we've done. I
0: heard about this muffins. thing with bananas. I oh, oh, did. So bananas and cauliflowers <laughs> and carrots, yeah. the most, oh, most of generated. Yeah.
1: I get a lot of onions, um, yeah. you know, but, I mean, onions are the, the flavor creator, as you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, so oh. they're the flavor creator. So. Um, Yeah, but sometimes, like it's winter now, Hmm. uh, and I'm getting heaps of cabbages, and I'm like, kraut, roasted (laughs) cauliflower. uh, Sorry, roasted cabbage. I'm like, slaw. And I'm like, pickle it braise it roast it hide it in a bubbling squeak i don't know like
0: uh well my mum doesn't eat onions and you know what she does she um just chops the col- uh the cabbage oh, really finely yeah. and it replaces the onions well,
1: texturally. Yeah, yeah yeah nice. so it
0: replaces for jane's as so she's a jane in in so basically she doesn't eat onions or garlic oh the aliens, which is yeah. um, and she's vegetarian right, but for wow. me that's the vegetarian part's not hard, but cooking yeah. for her without eating onion and garlic when like 95% of all <laughs> Indian food starts with like put an onion, put in garlic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what do I give you? Yeah. But so she figured out that if she just chopped yeah, cabbage nice. really finely and did that, it did the same kind of thing it makes your gravy thicker yeah. and um, does the Bit same properties yeah that's so, so clever yeah so well, at least if you would want to cook Indian well, and you yeah, don't have onions right. you can use some cabbage okay <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I'm going to put that past our new chef as well Like, I'm sure she's going to love that yeah. for a, a cabbage idea <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so but like you you already touched upon this that the whole kitchen is staffed with volunteers and you know part of the traditional kitchen experience is the hierarchy you expect people to already know how to do this know how to you know (laughs) um, know what for example dicing an onion versus slicing it or what would be the best in what kind of uh you know preparation while over here do you just get because i'm assuming you get new sets of volunteers each time or maybe it's a mix of new and old so how do you kind of you know deal with Uh that because i'm assuming you have to keep going back to like your basics and then
1: yeah 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 um I treat it every day like it's almost a little bit like a cooking school. But then Yeah, it
0: would be. But <laughs> when
1: I look through our roster of volunteers occasionally, um, we, we have some hardcore volunteers that have been with us since the start and they they select like certain days sometimes that they are just religiously coming in. So I know they know the vibe, they know what we're doing, and they're my little you know, my wingmen and sous chefs almost, you know? Yep. Um, <clears throat> so basically those guys kind of you know they take some of the load off me and they can pass it around and be like oh actually um this is how jamie shows us how to cut the onion here or but i do it like this sometimes but sometimes you can do it like this you know so they kind of take on that you know um <clears throat> there's no right or wrong way in the kitchen we've kind of gone for mm. um so we've just made it so yeah I, I, I try to work with people knowing where their strengths are and where the weaknesses are and what they want to do I kind of you know some people don't have a choice some days because it's quite busy yeah. Um, and you know sometimes people get a, a choice on where they can kind of be situated some people just like desserts but sadly it's not always the case you know I had to put a new person on dessert and yep. so I just play everything by ear that's the main thing I've done with this mm-hmm. I haven't tried to plan too much um, because every day I play it by ear I can change it like Instantly, mm. so that's the way I've been doing it. That's really. a little
0: bit of unlearning as well, right? Yeah. Like Not learning. Being, not unlearning. planning yeah. too much is.
1: Yeah, I'm the worst. I've got notepads <laughs> coming out my ears with stuff I'm writing down, and I'm trying to get through it. And then I might scrap that by next week, and I'm like, "Well, that didn't work." Yeah. Uh, a label maker always helps because uh, <laughs> I found if you put a label maker and you put something like sharp knives, uh, that usually gets a point across that people understand that's where sharp knives go. Yeah. Um, hence why my voice is constantly going because I'm constantly telling people the same sort of thing as i write the pink cloth is for this and the the blue mop is for that and yeah so um every day every day is different i allow Mm. myself at least one major disaster just in case something goes wrong like the soup pot burns you know so there's you know we're not going to get angry and upset about it it's just like okay right well we burnt the soup just going to start again so it's a little push push um working with volunteers over chefs though Mm. the one thing i've learned is that um when, when you're paying staff sometimes your staff don't want to be there all the time yeah. Uh, and they, they they may watch the clock and they're like oh they're out they're gone whereas with volunteers a lot of the time they want to be there so they're more willing to like push real hard which I was like I was expecting the opposite where they're like
0: yeah I would expect the opposite blasé, as well but no yeah. they're
1: like you know they're going hard you know and we're like I'm not even pushing them that hard and I'm trying to push them out the kitchen and go come on guys Let's have a Magnum and a cup of tea and just, like, chill for five minutes. i like, oh, no, I'll just finish this. I was like, no, 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 come on, come on, just sit down for five minutes, like, because I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, let's sit down, let's chill out, let's have a cup of tea, let's, like, just have a yarn about what we'll do next, and then we'll get on to it. But, yeah, I'm just amazed by, like, the people that come through and just their dedication to doing it. So, for me, it's really – it is actually them over me that makes it easy. So – I'm just there to make sure they're happy and that they don't cut themselves burn themselves Okay. you know pretty much
0: and have you got any interesting like menu ideas from like your volunteers oh my
1: god yes yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't quite got around to a pavlova. I've been asked a couple of times to do a Pav uh, I've been asked a few times to do like the the typical frozen banana thing um, mm-hmm. haven't got around to that yet because I was just like oh Frozen bananas, ice cream rolling service. That's true. Lots of volunteers. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, ice cream's one of those things where you're, you had to be on it all the time. Yeah. Um, what did we do recently? We did something uh, – uh, one of our volunteers really uh, – she messaged me on Facebook the other day and she was like, oh, can you tell me your recipe to your uh, – the the soup that you did with cauliflower because my husband loved it but he doesn't want to come in tonight so i made it that night actually which was uh it was a cauliflower cheese soup and it worked really well and it was just honestly i had a donation of heaps of cheese i was panicking i'm like i've got to get through this cheese before it goes off or before it goes bad had lots of cauliflower had a good amount of a potato kind of leek base Mm. soup and i was like well that's really thick and creamy let's you know put them all together and it tasted like cauliflower soup it was really yummy I was crossing my fingers thinking oh gosh am i gonna get hung drawn and corded for trying to put cauliflower cheese in a soup because sometimes my mind goes a little about you know good intentions are always there but my mind goes off and i'm like oh it'd be great to put this and this together and do that um and actually people loved it so um That's that was nice. one that was one there um we have one of our volunteers I love it a bit um, called Nairi and uh, she's my Manu in the kitchen because she's always asked me where the sauce is <laughs> so uh, I'll make a dessert up and go are you happy with that would you be happy serving that would you be happy eating that and she goes hmm and she like strokes her chin almost and d- gives me this sort of look and she's like we need sauce. And I'm like, all right, all right. Where's the sauce? All right, we'll go find some sauce. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, I do a, a compote or something on the side. And then she's like, yep, there we go. We've got sauce. We're good. <laughs> all right, so, Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm another yeah. one of those, where is the sauce person? <laughs> yeah. That's my inside Indian, oh, I, love, I've, I assume.
1: <laughs> yeah, you've got to have sauce, right? You've got yeah. to have some sauce. It's, You know, bread's a great vessel, but it's nothing without butter or or the leftover sauce in a, a pan, you know, like uh, you know, bacon bits in the bottom of a tray yeah. and a piece of bread is... Is glorious mm, you know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm getting hungry now <laughs> so you know just talking on the front end you were talking that part of it is that people just pay whatever they want whether it's a gold coin or whatever they think that the meal was worth do you like do people generally pay a fair price because you've got like all sorts of people coming yeah um yeah
1: um yeah this one's like this one's almost as hard to answer as like um when people go do you find it busier on rainy nights than sunny days because it's it's almost tied into that factor as well because some rainy nights will be packed and like everyone's donating yeah and then some nights you know it's really sunny but you know we can be you know not not hugely busy and the donations are small um but it doesn't it doesn't even matter which um kind of clientele we have come through Um, it it can vary as well. So it's a very variable uh, uh, model, you know, like so it changes like the wind. So it's quite a hard one to just go, yeah, like um, everyone pays pretty much the same. But through, you know, through the board, you know, I think a lot of people do come through and pay what they can. And you can see some people, I think for them, if they can't pay anything, the next time they come back, even if it's a week later, they're putting something in the tip jar or in, in the in the jar, you know. So, like, everyone's paying forward some way. Yeah. So, I think for the people who can't even, who couldn't, like, put a gold coin donation in, they're telling their friends about it and their f- their family and people yeah. who they may know may be struggling. So, they come through. So, in a way, they are paying in another way.
0: Yeah. 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 I read about this guy who ate, was sleeping in a car and ate at your place for weeks. and then, Oh, I
1: love that story. It yeah, it's it before then, my time um, at Ani Honga. I think it happened at Gamizi Street. And Nick told okay. me, I think Nick told me this. Yeah. Um, oh, no, carry on. I'll let you carry on. And tell it <laughs>
0: uh, well, you can You, you can, can tell oh, yeah. the story.
1: So uh, I think from, from, from what it was, uh, this guy was, he was obviously sleeping in the car. He was turning up and he just, you know, everyone just thought normal guy, you know. Because again, judging people based on like how they are dressed or what they are dressed like or, you know, it's... It doesn't count anymore yeah. for where you are in life, I guess. Yeah. And um, But anyway, coming through and, you know, he wasn't able to put something in. Obviously, he was trying to start his life again or get started or get back on his feet. And then one time he came back and, again, dressed pretty well as he normally was. He's always pretty well kept. And then he came to Nick and he, he had, like, tears in his eyes and gave Nick this money um, and uh, was like, look, this is for all the meals I had. I just wanted to say thank you. And then Nick wanted to sit down and have a, a yarn with him and was like, Tell me more. You know, I'm really excited to hear how you're getting on. And the guy was just like, there you go. And you could see that the guy was all welting up mm. by it. But how amazing is that? That you know, he he yeah. wanted to, to to give back to something that's given him a better strength and a, a push. You know, so yeah, you can't you can't not feel proud that you've been a part of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like you said, because everyone gets to eat with dignity. You know, mm. it's not like. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't at the mission, but um, no. perhaps there's that you know perception over there yeah. as compared to over here, while it, like it is a restaurant, or it could even be you know like a yeah. big family that can't afford to take yeah. the kids out, but you know everyone gets that equal yeah. equal platform. And I think
1: um, like everyone's doing a great job of what they do, you know, like from from the city missions and stuff like that, and th- there are different ways of getting food out to people. Um, and none of them are technically right and none of them like are technically wrong but i think for some people i mean um for myself like if i put myself in my older my older sister um was never actually adopted uh and i mean we we still communicate and we're we're blood family we're never not going to talk you know um but she was never really in the uh adopted and so she lived most of her life in foster care and then you know going out on her own and she's she's had you know problems with you know having to go to women's refuges and stuff like that so for her i can understand for her it was so undignified going there you know with a black eye from being abused by a partner with a, a, two kids mm. um and like going well you know i need to feed my kids i need somewhere safe um you know i can imagine how traumatic that would be alone to have to turn yeah. up to do that and then yeah for the people that are providing that food you know I, I, you know, when you feel that, you feel that and it, it feels quite upsetting and quite yeah. you want to nurture this person and help them and you want to give them a dignified experience but sometimes the resources aren't actually there for them to be able to go here's an actual bed, here's a house, here's a room, here's everything you need so everyone doing what they can is doing what they, you know, can and I guess for some people, some things make more people feel better, you know, some people want to go isolated and they don't want to be seen going to these places because that for them is them feeling like yeah. worse whereas then some people come to us because they do feel socially socially isolated and want to be around people yeah so the, the you know it's personality based i would say as well yeah. So, yeah and
0: i think this part which you talked about like the community dining and you know getting to eat with other people mm. tackling the social isolation thing that's a real problem yeah because i think as you get older and maybe you know you lose your friends around you or mm. whatever um you may not just have someone and i know like that's a huge problem within asian societies especially for men where they just feel like they don't have friends or whatever and mm. you know something like this provides them the place to just come and yeah. sit together and have yeah. a meal with someone you know because like yeah you well said,
1: you're, you're communicating you're sharing your story yeah if you want to um and there's no judgment so like why not um mm. I mean I've been through tough times in life you know with mental health and like I truly at one stage felt alone even though you've got so many people behind you in your corner mentally you feel alone so you are almost mentally isolating yourself from people because you don't want to bring them down then you feel guilt Yeah. so then if you're going to something like that you automatically feel even worse you know for me I would probably feel worse so maybe like for me I probably wouldn't go into something like Everybody Eats because I'd feel very uh, not judged. I wouldn't feel that, but I'd feel initially I'd probably take me two or three attempts to go yep. to get my courage up to go and be around people um, and be able to tell my story. I think if I if I was in that scenario now, you know,
0: yeah. So. But do you feel food has the power to like bring people together?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it can bring people, cultures, everything together. And I think there's no for me. I don't think there is any barrier there. I think people can you know. Learn to love something that you once hated. You know, like some people go, "Ooh, fermented food," and then next next minute, kimchi's on everything they eat. You know, and yeah. they they come from, you know, a suburb, you know, in Gray Lynn or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, it's like I think um, you can learn through through food because you can learn history, you can learn culture, yeah, um, and you can learn about a people through their food and why exactly um,
0: yeah, and it's so telling. Like when you see people eating it always tells yeah. you why they're eating that you know the not. first smile yeah. on
1: someone's face after eating something delicious is like if you can see that from the kitchen like that yeah feeling is just oh you know that's better than a five star on yelp you know like that's that's more than you can ever and then see, seeing a kid that doesn't eat vegetables run up to you and go thanks for the broccoli it was mean and you're like oh, you like broccoli now? And he's like, <laughs> I hated it last week, but I like it now. And you're like, well, well done you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't have that problem with my son. He oh, nice. takes um, broccoli just off the supermarket shelf and starts eating it raw. Get <laughs> on him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, and he's like, Mom, do you want some? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> like, yeah, you can have that, I'm thanks. Third mind cook, thanks, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. nice. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> so do you see something like everybody eats kind of something as a sustainable model that can be replicated elsewhere as well like Uh, how do you think you know more new zealanders could adopt something like this
1: i mean i think yeah like um you got to think it out you got to plan it out it's still strategic it's like a building a business Mm. whether you choose to go down a social enterprise route where you make money from what you're doing as a as a charitable thing Mm. or your straight donation based charity or are you a trust or are you this you know so there's lots of factors that are going to go into it there's still planning there's still preparation um but yeah if you've got the drive and the heart and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit to 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 get it going and realize it's not going to be easy i think you know you can do it but you've got to surround yourself with like-minded people who are willing to push it forward and yeah i would my dream would be Uh, to see, and everybody eats everybody, everybody, everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not only that, I'd love to see people doing their version of what we've done or, you know, taking that model and improving it Mm. uh, or or, or making it bigger and better or just, you know, like uh, Nick said to me once, like we're probably the only restaurant that ever wants to go out of business because we want to end social isolation, we want to end food poverty and we want to end food waste. So what restaurant actually wants to go out of business? It's yeah. weird, right? Um, but that's the way we look at it. You know, like um, it, it, we, we want to end these things. I mean, obviously it's not going to be in right now. It might not be in 10 years, but everyone doing their part, you know, yep. can show actually a normal restaurant that you can go, okay guys, do we need bin bags? It's quite wasteful. Um, shall we talk to a local farmer and give our trimmings to their pig? And then do some kind of deal where, okay, we promote his pork. We have we fed the pig technically from apple skins and yeah. whatever. And, you know, it can still build a community. So there's more to it than just, uh, you know, the restaurant. There's then the community. Uh, and then there's the people you're helping. Yeah. And then there's the people helping the people help the people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a good, a good cycle.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, well we're gonna now at the favorite part of my show. So this is called Fast Food Five where oh, I yeah. ask you five quick questions about food. So are you excited?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. All right. So whatever first comes to your mind you gotta tell me, okay? So, if you were a burger, what would your main filling be? Oh,
1: fried chicken every day,
0: <laughs> uh, but
1: it has to have pickles, uh, and it has to have some kind of mayonnaise, e base sauce. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, your favourite vegetable to repurpose?
1: Ooh, repurpose. Okay. Uh, what have I been working with lately? I've been working. Uh, we, we we had a volunteer come through, and they they donated a lot of choco chocos chocos. Um, oh, the cereal. Uh, no, uh, it's like a gourd. It's like oh, okay. a. Um, it's got a few, oh, it's got heaps of names. Okay. Uh, green looks and looks quite weird. looks like a pear kind of shape. You, okay. You peel it and then it's, the texture's quite crunchy, like the bottom of a, a raw broccoli stem. Okay. But kind of tastes kind of cucumbery and kind of like kohlrabi-ish. So we've been playing around with that, doing it for vegetarian alternatives and hiding it in a couple of cottage pies and no mm. one's noticed yet, but it's, oh, okay. uh, I think that one uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put up in my, in my top for the moment. Just okay.
0: Nice, that's interesting. Okay, the one thing that you must always have in your kitchen.
1: Oh, uh, it's got to be salt, right? Salt. It's got to be salt, <laughs> but uh, I, I've got this little salt collection at the moment, so I've got a, I've got fine salt for, you know, helping, you know, get through a soup and, because mm. we're going through large quantities. Of course. Uh, flaky salt for a bit of finishing, you know, because you want a little finesse. And then rock salt from a, a young chef uh, that I was working with recently, because, a, it's cheaper, and B, it's really good for your pasta water yep. uh, and cooking your potatoes because it's quite a harsh salt, but you don't need as much. Yeah. So there you go, salt.
0: Cool. All right. If you were a vegetable, which one would you be?
1: Oh, a vegetable. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. A vegetable. Uh, I get my cauliflower and broccolis mixed up quite a lot, so I find myself jump, flipping over my words at work with the, the volunteers, and I always keep saying to them, get the green cauliflower things <laughs> you know, the, the, so i'm probably going to say either a cauliflower or a broccoli, broccoli just purely because i uh mm. yeah i can't I, I can never say them when okay. i'm thinking of one <laughs> or the other so i'll put that I put that down
0: cool okay and your favorite thing to cook with a carrot
1: oh ah well okay so um recently been playing around with trying to um, make my vegetarian dishes at work uh, kind of vegan so across the board I'm not having to constantly change something up through the menu mm. and I mean cheese and fats and animal fats are great but um, I've been working on for a long for a wee while um, doing carrot texture of a carrot where if you cook it long enough and a certain way you can give it the texture of like like a chewy kind of pork belly oh, okay. kind of texturish so we were doing like this uh, we call it like a char shoe carrot or like just a say like a barbecue pork flavoured carrot ah. so we were doing that uh, and playing around with that so that's my favourite thing to play around with and change the texture and um even playing away on with uh, onion skins okay. and making them into like an onion flavoured butter so it tastes like uh tastes like a kiwi onion dip just Ooh. silly weird things like that like when my brain goes off I like to play yeah. with the but I'd say the carrot is a uh, yeah.
0: Pretty cool. And I think what you said around the onion skins, it's just amazing how many things you can actually do from things that you oh typically word, yes. just chuck in the bin. Like, yeah. I've recently started making, putting all the coriander stems into the mayonnaise I make at home. And oh, I was yeah. like, why yeah. haven't Boom, I done flavor. that before? <laughs> like, you know, just chucking all this coriander away. Yeah. When, um, oh, and like, now my mayo is just so much more flavorful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or
1: like, you know, you save them up for like, I get my volunteers to do these little pottles. And they're like, are you sure you want us to keep this? I'm like, trust me, I'm going to use it. So like for like about a week gone by, there was all these stalks from Mm. the herbs that we were using if we got some and from the garden and a bit of flat leaf parsley here and Mm. uh, a volunteer would bring in something from their garden. And I finally had enough to make one batch of chimichurri or salsa verde. And I was like, all I did was add vinegar and I've got stalk stems, a bit of snotty, you know, I say snotty, but you know, a little bit of wet baby spinach. And, I'm like, well, it's, it's going to be green. So mm. here we go, boom. Yeah. And there you go. you got salsa verde, the last forever in the fridge. And it was made from waste. Yeah. Um, and the same broccoli stalks. Oh my gosh. Broccoli stalks are the one thing that you can make a pickle out of. Uh, you can make them into, like, kind of a gherkin uh, mm. kind of thing because it's got that kind of texture um, in a stir fry. um Hidden in a cottage pie again, yeah, um, yeah, and and cooked down to a sauce, yeah, um, for a pasta, beautiful, like okay. on a pizza. Um, there's a couple of restaurants on K Road that do a uh, broccoli cooked forever on a pizza, and it's amazing. Um,
0: yeah, nice, okay. Well, I think I've got some lots of good ideas here. So I'm going to go back into my kitchen and experiment and nice. like every episode I'm already hungry. Yes, so I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much Jamie for coming along and chatting well, with thank us. You for I had me. a great time kind of learning about what you guys are doing and we'll put some links on um for your website onto the show, oh, so amazing, people yeah. more people can come visit. Lovely,
1: yeah. We'll have to have you in for dinner some night, or yes. maybe you can uh, do a guest appearance in the kitchen or something. Yeah. Yes, I definitely. Yeah. I want to
0: do a. I, I've been meaning to come down. I volunteered to be in the <laughs> kitchen, and I keep getting um, the emails. Oh
1: my gosh! Yeah. And then
0: my in-laws came from India, and then I got stuck.
1: Oh yeah. In no. my
0: own kitchen, cooking oh, for eight uh, people. So. Wow, okay,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, cooking for a team, mm. eh?
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great having you here.
1: Oh well, thank. Thank you
0: thanks for listening to the kiwi foodcast brought to you by podcasts new zealand be sure to listen in next time for another helping of kiwi food stories